Welcome back to Plenary Session. Plenary Session, the podcast at the intersection of medicine, oncology, and health policy. We're back to our roots today. We got an oncology paper to discuss. This is by recommendation from a planner to fan of the show. I saw recently in one of my videos in the many, 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 many comments, somebody wrote, we need more oncology content on this channel. And I thought to myself, you one person are right. <laughs> Forget about what everyone else thinks. You're right, and we're going to get there. This is a tip-off by a listener of Plenary Session, someone I know who says, quote, I'm no expert, but when I read this, I thought, you probably want to talk about this. This has got some issues to talk about. This is the Lacewing study, the phase three trial of giltritinib plus azacitidine versus azacitidine alone in newly diagnosed FLT3 mutation positive AML, ineligible for intensive chemotherapy. We all know that the role of the DNA methyltransferase inhibitors, these uh, non-specific epigenetic drugs like azacitidine, has been well established in AML, unfit for intensive chemotherapy, for quite some time with a small but real overall survival benefit against lesser standards of care. Um, we also know that Azaven has improved upon that in a trial called Viale. We know that there have been some other kind of shady business going on, such as Agile, where they go Ivocitinib Aza versus Aza, even though they probably should have been going against Azaven, because a huge chunk of the recruitment time was when you knew that Azaven was better, and you wouldn't in good conscience randomize your mother to the inferior, dilapidated, depleted, uh, failed control arm uh, if it were your mother, but you're more than happy to do it to patients in order to sate the company's uh, goals. Uh, good for you. Congratulations on that, um, the Agile investigators. We have a letter out to the editor, New England Journal of Medicine on Agile. We're not done with Agile. It's a terrible study. Uh, we're going to come back and hit that again. You can go back and watch my prior video for that. But this is a different study. This is a negative study. This is the Lace Wing study. The Lace Wing study. What a great title. Because Lace Wing tells you Absolutely nothing at all about the content of the study or why it's useful. It's just a moniker to help you remember it, which is what companies do to actually improve the recall of their study. But Lacewing is pretty much useless. It tells me nothing. Giltritinib, a FLT3 ITD and uh, TKD inhibitor. Azacitidine DNA methyltransferase inhibitor. Going against Aza alone in newly diagnosed frontline AML. The other thing you should know is that <clears throat> my colleagues and I have previously been critical of the idea that we have people deemed fit for intensive chemotherapy and people deemed unfit for that, that that line is a little bit blurry. And if you have a new drug that's very, very sexy, the doctor may call that line further over than it otherwise would be, bringing in people who are actually fit enough for more intensive chemotherapy and randomizing them, which means that your trial actually doesn't inform the population truly unfit for therapy because you had to be few, or were you presumably fit and fitter than them and maybe you can tolerate the new drug better. Um, uh, nor does it really help those people who get shuttled over because they may have been better off with the more intensive option. You can read that paper. Rachel Cook, myself, Nature Reviews Clinical Oncology. Um, it's out a few years ago. The late Eli Estes was a big fan of that paper. He told me so on a couple of occasions. All right. When you open the blood paper, the first thing it says is <coughs> very early on, in the PDF document, this is like the the preprint PDF document, not the the formatted layout proofed figures. It says medical writing and editorial support was provided by blah 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 and the blah 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 company and funded by the study sponsor. Oh, wonderful, wonderful medical writers! I'm so glad we have medical writers. Remember back in college when you had a bunch of term papers due next week and you had been putting them off for some time? What did you do? You did the 
only thing college students do. You sketched out an outline of the paper, you phoned up the local philosophy writing company, and you had them draft a version of your term paper. Isn't that what you did? You didn't do that because that would be the grounds for expulsion, because that would be academic dishonesty. And yet we tolerate in the academy the only professor that routinely gets other people to literally do their work for them is the doctor professor. The economist professor doesn't do it. The philosophy professor doesn't do it. The law professor doesn't do it. The doctor professor can't be bothered to write their own scholarship. Now look, I think medical writers have a role. They should be writing those magazines they shove in a plastic bag and hang on the doorknob of your hotel room when you're at ASCO. They can write those, sure. They can write advertisements and copy and do all this sort of internal stuff for the company. Sure, sure, sure. But this is different. This is a peer review publication in a very good journal, Blood. And if you are a professor at one of these real universities, you should be writing your own damn paper or you shouldn't be allowed to use it for promotion and tenure decisions. It should just be gray on your CV because you didn't actually contribute to the key scholarship work. Now, some people say that, well, you can get a statistician to do the stats. Why can't you do a writer to do the writing? I was like, I don't know. Then why don't you get a thinker to do the thinking and a doctor to see the patients and you just be sitting there drinking coffee and doing jack shit? I mean, what do you, what do you want? Okay, that's not how it works because statistical work is a very unique skill that is often bungled by doctors. But writing is literally a manifestation of communicating in words the thought process that went behind a study, and presumably the person best suited to that would be the first or last person whose name is on the paper. It's very different. Writing is thinking and thinking is writing. Writing isn't statistical application of a test. Writing isn't you know, running the, far, the PK assays. Writing is literally communicating what was the central goal of the study and what did you accomplish, etc. You will see that this manuscript does such a bad job of that, you know, the authors should feel ashamed and they should have done it themselves. So let's talk about it. Lace wing, lace wing. Some people out there will be like, this is boring. I've heard about this study. Isn't it a negative study? I was like, well, you know, hang on. I read the paper. They don't think it's negative. I don't feel like they think it's negative. And that's what we're going to talk about. <clears throat> Whenever I read a paper like this, the first thing I look at are the key points. What are the key points of this paper? Key point number one for a randomized phase three trial, which is what this is, should always just be, what was the major conclusion on the primary endpoint of the study? Let's just read what they have written. The major takeaway conclusion. Number one, in patients with FLT3 mutation positive AML unfit for intensive chemotherapy, composite complete remission rate was higher with giltritinib azo than azo alone. Oh, composite complete remission rate CRC? That was the primary endpoint of the study, and it was higher. Sure, that, that, that's what that's telling me. Number two, overall survival was not significantly different between giltritinibase and in patients with foot 3 mutation, AML unfit for intensive chemotherapy. Huh, OS was different, but maybe it was a secondary endpoint? Maybe? It's obviously listed second, so it must be the second most important key endpoint. We're going to come back to this. Let's see. Let's see what this paper tells us. Abstract. The last line of the abstract is really a take-home message. Here's what the last line of the abstract says. Results support the safety, tolerability, and clinical activity of upfront therapy with giltritinibaza in older unfit patients with a 3-mutation positive AML. Oh, so it's looking good. It's looking good. That's what I'm reading out of that. Introduction. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. I won't bore you. I hope you know all this stuff. I mean, it's basic. Foot 3, TKD, ITD. 
the history of ratify Midas Storin plus seven plus three for seven plus three had a survival benefit in the upfront setting. Um, a rare instance where sort of a cooperative funded study actually benefited a particular pharmaceutical company. Um, in the salvage setting, we often use this as a monotherapy or as a salvage drug. Um, for patients deemed ineligible for intensive chemotherapy, I think these days azaven is the standard of care. Uh, arguably at the very beginning of this study, azacitidine alone was the standard of care, but a trial should always adjust itself based on the study that it really, uh, based on the country that it really seeks to inform. This is clearly an, a study that's seeking to inform the U.S. Uh, and U.S. regulatory action. Why? Because we got a big wallet that pays out a lot of money, so people want to please our regulators. Um, but as you'll see, there are a number of ways in which um, I think even if it had been positive, it would be deficient. Turns out it's not even positive, so we're going to get to that. <clears throat> study design. The randomized, open-label, phase three, lethal ink study compares efficacy and safety of giltritinib aza versus aza alone in newly diagnosed foot 3A male patients ineligible from 185 centers across North America, Europe, and the Asia Pacific. So it's a randomized phase three study. That's what they're doing. Easy peasy. Here's the, the first thing that jumped out at me in the methods. Patients were initially randomized one-to-one-to-one to, one to, one to giltritinib aza or aza or giltritinib orally. Okay, oral pill plus IV or IV or oral only. Then it says this, the giltritinib arm was removed approximately 12 months after recruitment began due to changes in preferred treatment for this patient population, i.e. combination over monotherapy. I've written here in the margin, WTF, WTF. <clears throat> they removed the all oral option because of the preferred treatment was to pair a pill with an IV medication that's given daily for seven days in a row, every 28 days. What? That's, why would that be preferred? When people write something like this, how has nobody asked, this is a little bit, doesn't make a lot of sense. You're saying the patient prefers to get an IV in addition to a pill? If the pill worked as well as the IV and the pill, you wouldn't get the IV. You wouldn't want to waste your time driving to the doctor's office. So this cannot be the reason. This cannot be the reason why you have removed one arm. You're not telling me why you remove one arm, which makes me very suspicious. This is a clearly stupid reason. Why would anyone not, why would anyone, if the pill was just as good as the other two arms, wouldn't you want that? It might even be better, you know? Preferred treatment. What is it? Whose preference? There's not a single person who prefers IV over pills. Okay, I mean, that I think is clear. So what is going on here? Fishy. But the fact that it survived peer review and nobody said, hey, you mind explaining or clarifying? It tells you something. Endpoints and assessment. Here's the key. The primary endpoint was overall survival. Hmm. Well, that's funny. The first key take-home point was about CRC rates. And uh, the last said was that, that it said it was really promising. Primary point is overall survival. Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, but the second key point was that overall survival wasn't improved. So what's going on here? Statistical analysis. The planned sample of 250 patients randomized two to one to giltritinib aza or aza alone would provide 80% power to detect a difference in OS between treatments. Assuming a median survival of 16.7 months in the giltritinib aza arm and 10 months in aza at an overall two-sided significance level of 0.05. So in other words, you were looking for a 6.7 month survival benefit, which I think is reasonable. That's what people would want to go from 10 to 16 months overall survival benefit. That was your primary endpoint of the study. Did you meet it or didn't you meet it? 
<clears throat> the last line of the methods, authors had access to data used in manuscript preparation and with writing editorial support funded by the trial sponsor, developed and approved the manuscript. Oh, good for you. Good for you. We don't want to trouble you too much on your publications. We will have to do the writing. And, you know, you had access to the data if, if you wanted to look at it. But, but don't feel obliged, you know. We're going to look at it. This is a really, really delinquent, delinquent standards. I just can't imagine if you really went to another field at the university. You're at Harvard University. You're in the economics department. They're running their own code. They're looking at their own figures. They're debating their own work. They're talking about monetary policy, health policy, all these things. You go over in the oncology department and they're showing you slides that somebody else made with data that they really don't know how to use or they're not facile with and a manuscript that they didn't write. I mean, how can both these things even be in the same ballpark? One is scholarship and one is, you know, uh, the advertising arm of a pharmaceutical company that happens to be housed within a university, pretty much. Uh, it's, it's, really, it's really disgraceful and I think uh, it needs to be solved uh, firmly from universities. No one should ever get promoted for an article they did not write if their name is first or last. If anything, you should be demoted. It should actually have like a penalty against you for putting your name on things like that. Um, and somebody should do an audit of actual track changes on these medical writer papers. I think it would require um, some really clever way to get people to fork over the data. Um, and you'd want to do it retrospectively so people don't know it's coming, you know, a good audit. And I think you would be amazed at how few changes were being made uh, across all these manuscripts globally. But alas, we cannot do that. <clears throat> Results. <clears throat> Subsequent AML therapy was received by 20% of patients on giltrypna aza and 44% of patients on aza alone. And something like 20% of people, 14 people out of 50, sorry, 30%, got a FLT3 inhibitor as a subsequent line therapy on the aza alone arm. 30 and 60 day mortality from time of randomization was similar between both arms. Oh, and then overall survival section. At a median follow up of 9.76 months and 17 months for AZA, median overall survival was 9.82 and 8.87, p value 0.75. Based on the recommendation from the IDMC meeting in December 2020, we are halting this study for futility because it has passed the protocol specified boundary for futility. Sponsor terminated enrollment. That to me sounds like your study has failed. You have valiantly tried to improve upon AZA with giltritinib AZA. You have a stone cold negative study. Your key point number one should be in patients with FLT3 mutation positive AML unfit for intensive chemotherapy, overall survival was not improved by the addition of giltritinib to azacitidine and azacitidine alone. Number two point, given the increased toxicity and financial downsides of the combination over single monotherapy, our study cannot change the standard of therapy from azacitidine to giltritinib aza. Meanwhile, Viale did. So, you know, that, that changed in the meantime, but we didn't. We failed. We failed. Your, your abstract discussion, what was that last line? And by the way, people out there uh, at home, what I'm doing here is I, I'm printing the article and reading it. This is what we old people like to do. We, we don't like to look at the screen. Okay, um, the last line of the abstract. Results support the safety, tolerability, and clinical activity of upfront therapy with giltrotomaza in older unfit patients. No, that's incorrect. The last line of your abstract should say, Overall survival, sorry, the combination of giltritinib azacitidine failed to improve overall survival over azacitidine alone. Uh, further studies should, uh, or no, I shouldn't even say further studies, it should, it should failed. End of story, failed. 
this should not be given, or it should not be given outside of controlled clinical studies. That's good. I like that. You don't say that. The next line, subgroups favoring Yildirim Aza versus Aza alone for median OS with ECOG performance status 0 to 1, FLIT 3, ITD allylic ratio over 0.5. You're getting into the subgroup analysis already in your results section? What the hell are you doing? You have so many subgroups you have looked at. You're cherry picking the ones where the, confident, where, where, where the point estimate is slightly going in your direction. But even there, the confidence interval is spanning 1. Even in the subgroups you're cherry picking, you know, and you're trying to make a case that it might work well in these subgroups. This is total bullshit spin cycle. This is absolutely unacceptable. This should be ripped out of the manuscript. You should be ashamed for even trying to bamboozle the editors. And the editors at Blood, they have failed so badly on this paper. I'm going to keep going with all the sentences. They should have cut this out. You're not allowed to do this. You had your primary endpoint. You chose what you wanted to power it for. That's on you your company that has tons of money that could have powered it for a smaller difference if you wanted. You drop the giltritinib only arm because you have preference, even though whose preference would be not to get an oral therapy? That's a little fishy. And then you failed. You still failed. And now you want to talk about subgroups? Get out of here. Terrible. Goes on. Numerically longer survival was observed with any giltritinib, giltritinib bone or giltritinib aza versus aza, particularly in patients with NPM1 DNMT3A co-mutation, similar to the Admiral study. What the hell? Now you're looking back at the people, the, the arm you've truncated. You need to toss them into the bucket in your in your salami slicing exercise to try to find a sliver of benefit. Numerically longer survival, but you're not telling me whether or not it's statistically significant. You're not telling me, well, of course it won't be if you adjust for the rampant multiplicity you're literally like a like you're, you're literally desperately searching for any signal in this heap of data with all these mutations and all these subgroups and all these ways you can combine uh the the, the, the giltritinib alone or giltritinib aza arms this is what gets me considering the potential impact on EFS, oh, well, this, uh, this is a different point. Considering the potential impact of EFS of assigning randomization rate as the rate of treatment failure, a post-hoc analysis of EFS with or without treatment failure defined as a date of discontinuation at the end of six cycles was conducted. Um, what does that mean? <clears throat> For people who don't achieve a CR, I think this, like many studies, defines treatment failure or lacking to achieve a CR as the date of randomization. They're saying, what if you made it a different date in the future because they did get therapy? Um, but even then, you know, uh, what it really tells you is look at all the ways in which we're slicing and dicing the data because we cannot accept what has happened, which we failed. We have a negative study on our hands. Discussion. <clears throat> in previously untreated FLT3 mutation patients who are elderly and considered ineligible for intensive chemotherapy, overall survival following the combination was not statistically different with median OS approximately one month longer in the Giltritinibaza group. Ah, oh, you slipped that in there, huh? Approximately one month longer, but not statistically significant. You shouldn't be saying approximately one month longer. It's not approximately any longer because you your p-value is 0.75. What are you doing? Where is the editor to clean this up? Next line. However, overall survival in AML patients with high FLT3 ITD allylic burdens ratio over 0.5 was, substan was substantially longer following combination than with median OS improvement over AZA of 6.3 months. This is total crap. This is a subgroup that you are cherry picking after the fact. It's not even significant in this subgroup. The confidence interval crosses one. You should not be putting this in the paper. This is ridiculous. This suggests a higher allylic ratio may reflect disease that is more FLT3 dependent and driven by FLT3 mutations and potentially indicates patients with higher allylic ratios may be receive more benefit from combination therapy than that 
may receive more benefit from combination therapy with giltritinib. Ridiculous. They're receiving more benefit. What do you mean more benefit? It should be any benefit because the baseline is no benefit and it didn't even do that. And you are cherry picking a subgroup. And this is absolutely unacceptable from any standard of journalistic integrity. The medical writers who have spent a lot of work, uh, I mean, who should be congratulated for their scholarship, um, they shouldn't be the ones who decide how blood, blood papers are reviewed. Blood like the Journal of Clinical Oncology are venerable journals. These were once, you know, gold standard journals. And the editors who work there have to take their job seriously, which means if somebody sends you a pharmaceutical advertisement, which is what the Lacewing study is, you need to go through with a red pen and cut out every line that is absolutely unjustified and incorrect. Um, that's your duty as the journal. That's your duty as the reviewer. That's not the duty of the medical writers. Their job is to try to put it through the spin cycle. But the duty of the academic authors is to have some dignity. And the dignity of being an academic would be like, oh my God, man, you can't write. We can't write. We can't submit this. We can't highlight this subgroup. We have no basis to highlight this subgroup. We can't. It's not even significant in this subgroup. We can't say, even though it was not statistically significant, the median OS was approximately one month longer. It wasn't significant. You can't be highlighting any of these random numerical differences in the absence of significance. We should feel ashamed of ourselves for putting our names on this paper, which is an advertisement in blood, which shouldn't be publishing advertisements. Plenary session is the new journal. We're the only people who actually deliver the product of critically appraising things anymore. The world has gone mad. They're all complicit in this advertisement. Okay, but it gets worse. Possible reasons for non-significant OS findings include effect of subsequent AML therapies and known confounder in survival studies. That's what the authors write. This is an absolute nonsense statement that many, many authors continue to insert in their manuscripts, and it makes me worried that they are, literally do not understand anything about oncology. What they're saying here is that in the control group, a tiny fraction of them, I think approximately one in three of them, received AFLT3 ITD inhibitor. And that effect might have prevented them from seeing a benefit from the routine upfront administration of FLT3 ITD inhibitors at the outset. And so that might be a reason why there would have been a benefit if they hadn't have gotten that therapy. But giving them that therapy on the back end, if anything, it's lower than what was actually should have happened in the United States because we were doing it. But that is the standard of care. That's what we're already doing. Imagine I make a new sports drink. My sports drink is some blue, sweet concoction that you can drink. And imagine I first bring my sweet concoction to the market for people running a marathon in the last mile. You, before you hit that last mile, you take a little sip of my sweet drink and you, you know, finish the marathon maybe slightly faster, etc. Then I run a randomized control trial. Everyone drinks it upfront or everyone just drinks water. Upfront, blue drink plus water or water. Some people in the water arm, like 30% of people, that last mile, they take a little bit of blue drink because that's what we were already doing. But these people taking it all up front, they run the marathon in the exact same pace as the people who wear a tiny fraction take a little bit at the end. Can I say that the fact that a tiny fraction of people took the blue drink in the last mile is a reason why you didn't see the benefit from my drink up front. No, in fact, the conclusion of this study is you don't need to take the drink up front. You don't need having all these people guzzle this blue drink, knowing that many of them aren't gonna even get to the end of their end of the race anyway. Uh, it's a waste of time, it's pointless. And it's not a confounder for survival. It's actually an important part of an appropriate control arm. It's not confounding anything. It's literally asking the question you ought to be asking. 
This is the stupidest thing, and people routinely write it. A placebo-controlled double-blind study design might have mitigated the effect of subsequent AML therapies, including commercially available for three ITD inhibitors, specifically giltritinib on the primary endpoint of OS. Basically, what you're saying is if we had duped the people more so they knew better than to even try to take a flip 3 ITD inhibitor, listen to what you're saying. You're basically admitting to, like, negligence, medical negligence, maybe even criminal negligence, I think, because you're saying, had we duped them more, they might not have reached for that blue drink, that 30% of people who reached for the blue drink in the last mile. That's not acceptable. The blue drink, if it's available, it's available to them. Notably, CRC rates were significantly higher in patients with giltritinib aza with comparable CR rates. You, first of all, there's many ways we can slice CR. This is not the primary endpoint of this study. You shouldn't be highlighting it on and on in the manuscript. Look what it says. Higher CR rates, <laughs> higher CR rates in patients with high allelic burden shown in CRC subgroup analyses may indicate a larger proportion of leukemic cells are carrying the mutation and more critical dependence on FOOT3 ITD for leukemic cell growth and survival than lower allelic ratios where other signaling mechanisms may be involved. Speculatory, speculatory, you have no proof for that. In the Food and Drug Administration's analysis of randomized controlled trials of patients with newly diagnosed AML in in, who are eligible for intensive chemotherapy, regardless of intervention, patients who achieved higher CR rates had better OS than those with CRI or CR with incomplete platelet recovery as best response, who had better OS than patients with no response. So you're making the case that there's a, there's a correlation between better response and better OS. But what you forgot was you measured OS and you didn't improve OS. Yes, the surrogate may have some loose correlation with OS. You have measured OS. You failed to improve OS. So accept your failure. Don't go talk about that. This is like somebody heard a murmur. We got an echo. There's nothing wrong in the heart. And then you're like, well, we know people who have murmurs are more likely to have valve abnormalities. Yeah, well, we have an echo now, okay? And he doesn't, all right? Improvements in efficacy measures may be delayed in patients receiving less chemotherapy. What the? <laughs> you have the goal to write that? That's absolutely untrue. When event rates are higher, you know, it's, if anything, it's easier for you to see differences. No major differences in treatment emergent SAE specific to anemia, neutropenia, and thrombocytopenia were reserved between groups. Come on. You look, at, look at the table of toxicity, people. It's way more toxic. Here's the one that cracked me up the most. Although patients receiving giltritinib AZA may have been sicker based upon poorer performance status than donors receiving AZA, these data align with target organ toxicities identified in non-clinical studies. I said, wait a second, you did a two-to-one randomized study, and now you're saying that one arm was sicker? How is that possible? And I looked at table one, and there's so many different variables in a table one. One of those variables was performance status. By chance alone, they have slightly more ECOG 2s in their combo arm than ECOG 0s and 1s. But on other variables that are randomized by chance alone, some of the age differences slightly favored the control arm, or slightly favored the, the intervention arm. They had a benefit there. So what's the point? They are, they are cherry picking, again, one of the many factors in table one and saying there's a slight imbalance. And that means we may have had patients who were sicker because they had poorer performance status. But that just means you don't understand randomization at all. You have no idea how randomization works. Randomization does not balance every covariate in your data set perfectly. It doesn't do that. Randomization equilibrates an outcome distribution. And sometimes you might have a little more ECOG, but a little worse age and a little more this and a little worse that. Known and unknown confounders are all on average balanced and the outcome distribution is balanced. So you do not have more sicker people if you actually randomize. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Do you know what randomization is doing? Out of, my, out of your minds. Who are you trying to hoodwink with this nonsense? And then the last paragraph of the study. Giltritinib... 
This is a neg- stone-cold negative study. This is the last paragraph of a stone-cold failed negative study. Giltritinib aza demonstrates favorable clinical activity over aza in patients with blah, 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 considered unfit, based on higher CRC rates, particularly for patients with allylic ratios over 0.5 with no new safety signals. Your first line of your, discu- of your last paragraph is 100% incorrect. Uh, it is a negative study. You should be talking about your primary endpoint. You shouldn't be talking about CRC rates in a subgroup in the first line of your last paragraph. Next line. Although no difference in OS was observed, confounding factors included the use of subsequent therapies, specifically FIP3 inhibitors, including giltritinib. This is not true. That's not confounding. That's part of the challenge you face, is that these drugs have a role in the salvage setting. You failed against the challenge you faced. That's not confounding. That's you failing. You failing. Stop making excuses. Next, next line. There are differences in performance status between groups. You are cherry picking one of the items in table one. You don't even understand what randomization does. You're looking and looking desperately, desperately, pathetically to find some little garbage that you can try to slip into the discussion. I can't believe they allowed you to do this. Overall, these results support safety, tolerability, and activity of giltritinibase in the patient population. Overall, this is a negative study. You failed. It's more toxic, more costly. It doesn't improve OS. Why on earth would anyone do it? That's incorrect. Analysis in patients with foot 3 ITD positive AML with high allelic burden or better performance status indicate improved clinical activity in these subgroups, which may warrant further exploration. I wouldn't do it anymore. I think you have so desperately looked for subgroups that you are finding nothing but noise. This whole last paragraph is utter garbage. This whole paper is garbage. The person who read this, who tipped me off, this person agrees that this is a disgrace. Who should feel the most shame? Who should feel the most shame here? Obviously, anyone who put their name on this paper should feel shame. This is a very shameful representation of what you did. You don't have the courage or the or or the or or, or the dignity. And it really, you know, I think that's the right word for it. It's about a dignity. What does it say for your dignity when you don't write your own manuscript? What does it say for your dignity when you don't accurately convey what the manuscript is telling us? What did the study actually show? You tried to improve OS. You couldn't do it at all. Some tiny fraction of people on the control arm got what was appropriate for three ITD inhibitors later. It wasn't a lot. It was a tiny fraction. If, if, if that was what t- kept you from getting a win, then if anything, it proves you don't need to give your drug up front. You can give it later. It's not confounding. You don't understand what the word confounding means if you're calling that confounding. Yes, there are some differences that favor one arm versus the other arm in table one. That's because randomization doesn't balance everything. That's not, we had sicker people on our arm. You are inventing that in your mind. That's absolutely unfounded. You have no basis for that. There are so many subgroups you could look at, so many mutations, so many ways you can slice the mutations, and so many ways you can even look at CR, CRI, CRH, CRC. You're cherry picking these things. You don't see that's what you're doing. And you're highlighting repeatedly the non-pre-specified cherry picked subgroups, highlighting repeatedly these classic fallacies in oncology. The whole manuscript is obfuscating. It doesn't get to the point. You have medical writer support and it's published in blood. Shame on blood. Shame on blood. Just like JCO and Polo, which I took to task on this channel before, you are absolutely falling asleep at the wheel. The, the job of a journal editor is to decide whether or not the article is scientifically meritorious. I think, should this be a, a blood paper? Maybe, maybe not actually. Maybe not. One tier below maybe, in my, honestly, in my opinion, uh, just because it's, it's, the sample size is small. Um, should it be allowed to be published in blood written like this? Disgraceful, absolute failure. Um, absolute failure of the editors. Uh, if you want to be an editor, you have to actually 
edit. I mean, you can't just say, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Medical writer comes to the main, the email goes to the, medical writer goes to academic, uh, okay to submit. Uh, editor said, uh, okay to review. Reviewer said, uh, okay to, okay to uh, accept. Editor said, okay, 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 okay. How about somebody actually goes through and says, okay, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is spin. Do you really want blood to be thought of the same as that magazine they shove in that plastic bag and they hang on your doorknob in the hotel room? Do you want that? Do you want the legacy of blood, a journal that's been around for a long time, has a very high impact factor that meant a lot to a lot of people over history, but now it's gonna mean it's just the same thing as that little thing they stick in that plastic bag and hang on your door, and the moment you wake up in the morning, you open your door, you're angry because it's right there, there are all these cards that tumble out of it, you immediately throw it in the trash can, you never look at it. Is that what you want blood to be? Because if you keep publishing like this, that's what you're gonna make blood into. Total failure. Lace wing, terrible study. The person who tipped me off is totally right. Totally right. You were totally right. Thanks for the tip off. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by all this. Acad medical writers should be done over. You can write those things that we throw away. In fact, if anything, we should save some paper. You know, can we be environmentalists here? Um, paper, so many flaws. It's totally negative. It's not confounding. When you provide appropriate post-protocol care, it's not confounding. That's called like doing your job. If anything, I think that 30% is too low. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about the control arm issues because it's a negative study. You know, I don't need to do what I did for Agile. Um, those are my thoughts. All right. Punnery Session, Oncology Podcast. We're on Patreon. We have a website, show notes. You get show notes. Go through the show notes. You got so many pearls in there, so many links to other articles. Uh, show notes put together by Logan Powell. Um, I think that's it. Until next time.